All right, a lot of events in the next few months. So please pray for those of you who remember it. Pray that the Lord will bless all the people that are involved and use them mightily, uh, especially the things like day camp and CBM where uh, there's the opportunity to minister to young people. And we hope that as they get taught God's word, that they will learn to be, or learn to learn who Jesus Christ is and hopefully place their faith in him. If you have your Bibles, please open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 this evening. If you've been with us, you'll know that we, for most of this year, we went through the gospel of Mark, and then we took a little slight hiatus so I can go through um, our little training series that I need to go for, do for my class. Well, I found out today, I just got my syllabus, that there's going to be a little bit more of these type of mini-series that I'm required to teach, but, um, but somewhere down the line, we'll make time for that. So thank you for indulging uh, me and uh, my class. Um, it was fun to be able to teach to, to study that and teach through that. Even getting some of your responses it allows me to see where, uh, where I can grow as a preacher and a shepherd. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, that was the last three weeks or so. But now in the summer, uh, we're going to go take, again, not returning to Mark until the fall, but we're going to take the summer. And usually the summertime, I like to take a break from our usual series to do a little series on something that I think uh, would be helpful for our fellowship group. In the past, we've done things like the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've done uh, something through the book of Psalms. Uh, so we kind of switch things here and there. And, and so this is, you know, if this is your first time here or your first time back in a while, you're in a good place. You could just like a... Kind of like a little fresh start. And the reason why I want to go through this particular topic and the topic of the summer is we're going to title it Stewardship. Uh, and the reason why that is is because as I think about our Bible study, as I think about our church, and just Christianity as a whole, uh, there's a sense in which we, we kind of forget what we're, our, what we're living for. As Christians, we are supposed to primarily live for Jesus Christ. And that means that all the things that we do, everything that, uh, that encompasses our life, must give God glory. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. And as we think about our lives, I sense that we don't live our faith to the fullest potential, especially with our walk with Christ, because we're not necessarily good stewards with the life that God has given us. Sometimes our spiritual life is lacking because we kind of compartmentalize our Christian walk. We think that Christianity is only meant for Friday nights and Sunday and maybe your small groups, but it's not for every single day. But you know, and the scripture tells us that we are all accountable to the Lord. We all have to give an account to the Lord for how we lived our life. For some of us, there's going to be things that are going to, we're going to get rewarded for because of our faithfulness, and other things just can get burned up because they have very little significance. And I want to go through the series for this group so that we can, if we were to die and we were to see the Lord, and he asks us, how did you use the life that I've given you? How did you use the resources? How did you use the time that I've given you that we can give an account and that we can be found faithful in that way? And knowing all of these different areas, um, my hope is that you take your spiritual life seriously because you will have to give an account to the Lord for all the things that he's given you. Um, we're going to go through an array of different types of topics. Tonight we're going to talk about the stewardship of knowledge or stewardship of wisdom, however you want to categorize it. Uh, this idea that the things that you've learned in your life, you're held accountable to those things. And throughout the, the summer, we're going to go through different things like money and how, how, are you, how, how can we be a good steward with the money that God has given us, our talents, um, even things like other resources that we have or our physical life, things that everything that the Lord has given us. If, we're, if we need to give an account to the Lord for every single area of our life, how, will we, how would the Lord grade us? Will we be found faithful? So today, tonight, we're going to look at this stewardship of wisdom and faithfulness, uh, being faithful with the wisdom that God has entrusted to us, the knowledge, the things that we've learned from Scripture, things that we've learned from other people, things that we know about God, we are held accountable to what we do with that knowledge. So if, you're, if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, I'm just going to read this, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into the message. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Father God, thank you for your word and allowing us to navigate through life. We know that everything in your word has everything that we need pertaining to the life of godliness. Lord, as we begin this series tonight, as we go through this entire series throughout the summer, may you convict us in ways in which where we're lacking, whether it's knowledge or, um, or whatever we're going to go through this, this summer. May we see where we can uh, be more Christ-like in that way. May we have an eternal perspective of the life you've given us, knowing that we will one day have to give an account to you for the life that you've entrusted us with. Lord, give us wisdom and discernment and allow us to exercise self-control. May we, and may we do all things for your glory, Lord. In your son's precious name, amen. I uh, googled the, said a few, this past week as I was studying through this passage about what people end up leaving behind. Uh, and it's fascinating, the things that come up. One particular article I read about was how people would leave certain things when they're in their Uber driver, when they're, when they're going in Uber. And I guess America has their list of bizarre things that they've left, but Australia decides to go one step further. They're, they're like, oh, you think those things are bad? Let, me t- let us tell you what people have left in our cars. Apparently, there were things like 60-inch TVs and um, even weapons and like, weird wigs and random things that people have left behind in their own car, in, in these Uber cars. And it's funny because why would people leave these things behind? And obviously it's because they don't value it. There's not something that, it doesn't mean anything to them. You know, in other ways, saying they were not a good steward with the things that they have. And we think about our lives in a much greater sense. If we were to leave something behind, and which we will, we came into the world naked, and there's nothing physically that we will, take, we will take with us. But there are some things that we can leave behind behind us that can have an eternal significance. In our life, we know that uh, this life is short. It is given to us by our Lord, and we're supposed to, be, and we're supposed to use this life to the, to the fullest for God's glory. And there are things that we leave behind that will have zero significance. But there are other things that we leave that will have eternal and lasting effects. Every one of us will eventually have to leave this world one day, and a lot of stuff that we leave behind, is, it is going to be things like garbage. It's, not going to, it's just going to be burned away, or someone else is going to take it, and then they eventually will get lost. But the things that matter for us as Christians are things that we know about God and the things that we pass down to future generations. Part of being a good steward with your life is that you understand that your life belongs to the Lord. When we say that we are slaves of Jesus Christ, this implies that you submit to the master, that he t- tells you what to do, and all that you do in your life, you must humbly submit to him because of who he is, because of his value and worth. You're willing to give up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And tonight, as we think about this, about passing on the things that we know from one generation to another, we understand that there is a stewardship of knowledge or, and of wisdom. And it's the job of all Christians to pass this down, to, to learn as well as pass it down to the future generation. You and I, you, all of us here, we must be a good steward of what we know. And part of that stewardship is learning how to learn about God's word as well as teach it to other people. All of us are involved in this. This is not something that only pastors and elders do. This is something that everyone is called to do. Every Christian is, is required and expected to pass the torch, to receive it and then pass it down. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to do just that. It seems through this letter, uh, this is Paul's last letter to Timothy, and he wants him to be faithful. Timothy seems to be struggling. He's the past, uh, Timothy, at this, at this point, he's, he's the pastor of Ephesus. And he seems to be struggling in terms of using his gifts for the glory of God. There are so many things that Timothy has learned from Paul. But for whatever reason, Timothy is wrestling through fulfilling the task that he was in, uh, of, of doing faithful ministry. 
Paul here is writing to Timothy. He knows that this is his time is almost up. This is his last letter. He's in prison right now, and he wants Timothy to continue on the race. He's, this is the baton pass right here. This letter is going to be that letter that he's going to be emboldened by so that the church will continue to, to, to go and to grow and foster. God is going to use Timothy in a very unique way so that the gospel will flourish. Now understand, at this time, it is hard to be a Christian. It seems that the, the you know, Emperor Nero was the, uh, was the emperor at the time, and it seems that Christianity is starting to dwindle because of all the rise in persecution. And, it's, and people are leaving, and, and people are denying the faith, and Paul is telling Timothy to, stay, to stand strong, to persevere, to not quit. And it's not that far from where we live here in San Francisco. Uh, in the last two years, as I kind of survey our city here, I can't help but notice how so many churches have gone astray, that they have given up their first love. They, they stopped caring so much about gospel clarity and proclaiming the gospel and telling people about their sin and the need of a savior. And they start adopting and, ad- and adapting to the desires of the world. They start caring about social justice more than they do about the gospel. They care more about what's going on in the earthly realm as opposed to what's going on in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. So we can understand what Timothy is going through, this discouragement, this fear of this darkness that seems to be surrounding us. But Paul, here instructing Timothy as well as us to stand firm, to be faithful in declaring God's word to other people so that the gospel can continue on. Now we know that, uh, that Jesus has promised not even the gates of Hades can overcome the church and that Christ will build his church, but it, he will use providentially all of us here to do that. That, that doesn't negate any uh, responsibility on our end, but it does mean that we need to be faithful. We, need to, uh, we, we, we can't take it for granted just because we know that the, the Lord promised that, this, that the church will, won't be consumed and that it will always last doesn't mean that this church will. Because this church, just like any other church in the past, if we forget to do the mandates of Scripture, eventually the Lord will just stop using this church and this church can close its doors. So my hope is that we stand firm that we know God's word so that we're able to teach other people as well, that we pass this to the future generation. Paul wants to invest in Timothy and wants him to invest in other people who can invest in other people as well. And this is the priority of the Christian life. Our hope for the future generation is to pass this down. We must be willing to pass them this gospel, this truth, because we know, we know that these things are true. We know that the Bible is true, and it should reign supreme in our life, and we should be willing to pass this on. You notice in verse 1, he has, it says, you, therefore. He's emphatic. He's speaking to Timothy directly. He knows that this is your responsibility here, Timothy. My time here is almost up. I've finished the race. It is now your turn. You need to go and be faithful to, to do exactly what I've taught you. He tells him, you, therefore, my son. He's, 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 he's focusing. He's trying to make him see that, you, that Timothy needs to work hard at raising up the next generation of believers. There was an example here in Onesiphorus in uh, chapter 1, verse 16, that there's one individual that was just faithful to him and, and meeting him and, and, and caring for Paul. And he's gives, he gives one example to Timothy, and he's, now he's instructing Timothy directly. He's telling him to go and do this task that I have for you. He calls him my son. There's this spiritual, he's, you know, he has a, he's a spiritual child in a way. This is a personal letter that he's written to Timothy. This is instruction to his own spiritual child. He needs him to understand the imperatives here, that he needs to go and do what, everything that God has taught Paul and now what, everything that Paul has taught Timothy. We understand that as Christians, we are all heralds of Scripture, of the gospel, but it, was never, it didn't originate from us. It was given to us, and we need to go and pass it on to someone else. He tells them to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And in the Greek, it's, I mean, this is a good translation here in the NASB, but what the, the, the word be strong here, it's, it's, it's this idea of it's passive. It's saying keep on being empowered by Christ. 
uh, by the grace of God, keep being empowered in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That Christ is the one that's going to empower you to do the task, to be that good soldier for Jesus Christ. This is not an option. This is an imperative. This is something that you and I must be doing all the time. Again, it's, it's, in the past, it's passive, meaning that it's being done to him. He's being strengthened. He's dependent on the Lord to do this. In order for him to be faithful, he needs to trust and be empowered by the grace of God. All discipleship requires you to depend on God, and you must do it by being empowered by the Lord. John chapter 15, verse 5 says that Jesus describes us as the vine, and we're the branches, and without him, we can do nothing. There's this emphasis that is in, in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Nothing that we do is because of our doing. It is given to us. Our knowledge, our abilities, our talents, all the things that we know about God, our, our, whenever we, our, our minds gets, has the ability to kind of get enlightened and illuminated, and we understand just a little bit more about God, that's all, that's all because of God's grace. You must be dependent on the power of God to be able to know him and to be able to do the ministry that he has called all of us to do in making disciples. We constantly pray and ask God for strength, and we plead for God's grace to empower us to do this. And we must rely on him because he is the source and the power. This is in the grace in Christ Jesus. Any form of training, any form of teaching, any form of discipleship can only happen if God enables you to do it. All training ultimately is from God. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand, and then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things for his glory. It implies that, again, you know that ultimately God is the one training you. God will use people in our life to instruct us, and the fact that we, have, that we, have, we understand those you know, our mentors and our teachers, or the reason why we, get, we can get those concepts, these lofty truths, is not because of our own talents and giftedness, but because of God's grace in our life. And this is foundational. Only the grace of God can give you the ability to serve him. He tells them to be, str- uh, to, to be strong in the faith. You have to understand that you cannot pass on something that you do not have. I think some of the reasons why there's a lack of discipleship, or at least that's, that people say that in our church, is sometimes, yeah, they, don't, they may not know how to, and then, you know, sometimes you can learn how to do those things. But I think sometimes the reason why discipleship is lacking in any church is because they themselves do not love Christ. You cannot pass on something that you do not possess. There are those that can claim that they want discipleship or they want to pour out on people, but if you really do care about those things, you'll just do it. You'll not wait for those things. You'll not wait for the structure to come to place. You'll do it because you love Jesus and you want other people to love Christ. And you'll teach anyone and everyone that's in your life. You and I need to be involved in this. All of us are called to be disciple makers. This knowledge on all the things that God has given us is, is a grace from God, and we, be, and we need to see that it's a stewardship issue. Why don't we do discipleship? It's oftentimes because we don't value it. We don't think it's important. We think someone else should do these things. But Paul is instructing Timothy to do this, and we are all in, commanded by Scripture to do the same thing as well. We need to be involved in each other's lives. It's not just simply learning about the Lord, though that is important. You need to actually do something with it. Once you understand it by the grace of God, you need to ask God for the grace to be able to teach other people. Do you believe and understand the importance of this transference of what you know about Jesus to other people? Again, all of this is only possible by the grace of God. You and I know and believe the realities and truth of Scripture first comes by the grace of God. And when we are given this knowledge, we need to do something with it. And that is to teach others. This is a stewardship issue. It's only by God's grace that we obtain it. And it's only by God's grace that we can even transfer to other people. Faithful stewards first comes from a clear understanding that all of us have a job to do. That is to learn about the Lord and to teach other people. 
you're given this knowledge by grace. Your salvation is by grace. The reason why you're here is by grace. The reason why you know who Jesus Christ is is by grace. The reason why you uh, understand different things about God's word is by grace. The reason why you teach other people and have people in your life that you can pour out into is by grace. The reason why you have mentors in your life, it is all by God's grace. And you need to see that, that it's by God's grace that we have this life the knowledge and everything that we have, and you need to be a good steward of that. You know what you know because of God's grace, and you are what you are today because of God's grace. As you grow in your knowledge, remember it's by God's grace in your life. You don't have anything in your mind because of your own merits. In other words, this gives us no room for pride and arrogance. Sometimes I think we think that there's only certain people that we want to invest in. There's, I only want to invest in certain types of people. Certain people, they're, they're just not as mature. They're not to my level, so therefore I'm not going to put, waste time on them. We have to understand that the reason why we understand anything is by God's grace. So there, it leaves no room for pride or arrogance. We should be willing to pour out to anyone that the Lord has placed in our life. We should have a desire that God may be made known to people. Our knowledge of God does not allow us to be prideful or arrogant or to boast about our abilities and be very selective of who we want. We're called to just pour out into other people. Again, this is all by God's grace. So what are we supposed to do with this knowledge? With all the things that we've given, especially in our day and age where there's, you know, we don't even have to go to church. We can listen to pastors from all over the world. All the things that you've acquired, all the things that you've learned, what are you doing with the things that you've learned? We're not, not all of us are called to be in ivory towers to think about theology and write books. Most of us are going to have to just do the ground-level work of pouring out into other people. How will you use all the things that God has given you? You're called to pass it on. A good steward of the gospel, a good steward of, of the Bible, is someone that's going to pass on to someone else. That's all introduction, by the way, so we're going to get to our, really, verse 2 is our main emphasis here, and that is that we are called to teach other people. You'll notice verse 2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You need to pass this on to any and everyone in your life. So if you are a parent here, this this is, there's a natural built-in discipleship in your home. You're going to teach your kids. You're instructed to do so. You're supposed to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If you're married, if you're a husband, particularly if you're a husband, you need to shepherd your own wife. You need to teach her uh, God's word. That's what, that's what Ephesians tell us, that we need to, the husband's responsibility is to go and, and wash uh, and, and teach God's word to their bride so they can be washed by God's word. And if you're single and you think, or if you, maybe you're married and you don't have kids, you might think to yourself, well, does that mean that I don't need to do discipleship? No, that means, it just means that you have, uh, you have a wider range of who you're able to disciple. That's why I'm so grateful for so many of you that are teaching the little ones or teaching the high schoolers, that you're involved in all of these different ways because there's part of you that understands that you need to teach it to the future generation. And I would tell you, those that are doing that right now in this church and this fellowship group to excel still more, invest in those relationships Take time to pray for them, to know God's word, and to try to make it easy for them to understand. This is a job for all believers. Now you need to ask yourself, are you making these type of intentional investments in the people in your life? Whether it be in your own home or in the church, are you trying to build these intentional relationships? That's, what the church, well, that's why the church is so unique, is because we can, in theory, go to anyone and have this fellowship, true biblical fellowship because of our love for the Lord. We should be able to sharpen one another because we all love the same God. And we can always encourage each other by just asking good questions. You know, what have you learned this week? What are some things, how has the Lord shaped you um, and, and convicted you of sin? What are things that you've read? How have you, how was evangelism for you this week? You know, these are all good questions that you can, that you can talk with other people, other believers they should give some sort of response because that's the life of the Christian. Your relationship with other people must be intentional. 
You notice that Paul said that things in which you heard from me uh, in the presence of many witnesses. This implies it could be that Paul was teaching Timothy in a context like this, in a church setting, or it could be in a small group, or, uh, but there was obviously other people that was with Timothy here. He's heard of all of these things. It describes that Timothy was a student, and it wasn't just one sermon. It was, it was like every time he had an opportunity to learn from Paul in, 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 other pe- in, in the presence of other people. Not just one sermon. This is, this, again, this general knowledge of the Christian life. Things that he's heard, he's called to transfer it to other people. But again, in order for you to transfer something, you need to learn it first. You first need to learn it, and then you can give it away to other people. You see, it's in the presence of many, entrust these to faithful men. Now, this word entrust is a really cool word. Um, it's, it's actually the verbal form of the word that I actually showed up earlier. In chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure. So this word entrust is actually the verb form of that word, treasure. It's that you are, it's something that's very valuable, is given to us by God, and we're supposed to take care of it. There is this uniqueness about this thing that's given to them. You know, I am a father of two and soon to be three, and of the three, uh, there's going to be two, there's two girls, oh, one Ruby, and then our third one that's coming is also a girl, and I hope that one of these days, by God's grace, that they will, you know, a guy would be interested in them and want to marry them. I know they seem silly now, but I hope that, at least for my daughters, that one day I can walk her down the aisle and I will give her to a man, a godly man. And that's entrusting. You know, I've, I spent my time loving my daughter, training, raising her, providing for her, taking care of her. And the moment comes when I have to give her to her future husband, that's me entrusting that leadership, that protection, all the things I'm doing for her now, I'm now delegating, giving that away to the future husband. That's the idea here, this treasuring aspect. Paul is telling Timothy the treasure that he knows about Jesus Christ, all the things he's learned about Christ. He needs to give this to, some other one, to someone else. He's called to entrust this, this treasure, to someone else. The most precious thing that in your life is your relationship with the Lord. And what you do with that reveals what you treasure the most. It was different between even that marriage illustration because when you know, I give away my daughters, I'm eventually going to run out of kids. It's like she's, not, you know, she's still my daughter, but she's, you know, she's, not, she's out of my hands in that sense. But with, with discipleship, when you are being taught God's word and you pass that along, do you entrust it to other people? It's not like the faith disappears out of your life. It's, it's, a, it's not like it's gone from you. It's like a multiplication process because you're still a believer and you're passing on to someone else in hopes that they will do the same. That there's this, there's this multiplying effect in the gospel. And now, if you think about our own walk, if you think about the person that led us to Christ, you can trace that person back to someone and eventually it will go all the way back to here, to Timothy and to uh, the Apostle Paul. And in here, we actually even see, I mean, when you, when you read on... When I read it for a long time, I, I see this as like there's four generations. There's Paul, and then there's Timothy, and then there's faithful men, and then others that can teach others as well. You actually realize there's actually five generations here because it's God teaching Paul, Paul teaching Timothy, Timothy teaching these group of people who can teach other people, and eventually it gets down all the way to us. There's a lineage that we're all part of, and it's because those people before us understood this principle of discipleship. They knew that they need to teach other people. So all the things that we've learned in our life, all the elders that we have, all the disciples, disciplers that's in your life, they are doing, they're shepherding you, they're caring for you, they're teaching you because they understand the importance of transferring the biblical knowledge down to you because they understood the responsibility and the stewardship of knowing God. We're all called to train people we're all called, and I mean, that's my job here. That's, that is one of my responsibilities here as a pastor. I, I preach so that you guys can be equipped to do the work of the ministry so that you can know God. And then you're supposed to internalize what I'm teaching you by looking at Scripture. And then you're supposed to know this so that you can teach it to someone else down the line one day. There's this deposit of passing on one, uh, passing on knowledge from one person to another. And it says here to entrust these to faithful men. 
Now, I know I said earlier that you shouldn't be playing favors, and that's true. But there are those people that are unfaithful, who choose not to walk in the faith. Those are the people that you just need to call them to repentance. But there are those people that are faithful, and you're called to go and trust the, this gospel and all the things you learn to those faithful individuals. To those faithful individuals. And it says here, uh, entrust these to faithful men. These are, there's a quality about them. And some people debate, is it a quality or just a believer? I, I hold to the fact that it could be both. It's someone that is faithful and that they are, and their character is known. There's someone that's reliable and dependent. Again, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that they have to be perfect. It doesn't have, mean that they are the most mature person. It's just that they are here in the church no matter how immature they are, as long as they want to learn, then you have to trust that the Lord is using you in a very providential way to care for this person. Train people who can go, hopefully, that they can learn and train other people. So how do you find someone like this? Well, there are some things to look for. You want to look for character. You want to look for their skill to a certain extent. And then you have to look for their commitment. So you look at character. What do you look for? There's someone that clearly has some desire to learn about the Lord. They have some, even if it's a very like infant-like faith, that's totally fine. That's, that's perfectly fine. Because remember, like the, when Jesus was with his disciples back then, they were not all mature. But he was still willing to invest in these individuals. Again, oftentimes we like to just invest in people that is in our own comfort zone. Someone that's in our, uh, maybe act like us, have the same hobbies as we do. But that's not the way that, that we're called to be in terms of discipleship. We're called to invest in whoever the Lord has placed in our lives. Sometimes that will stretch us because some people are not particularly easy to get along with. But yet, God is so patient with us, so we need to be patient to others as well. You want to look for these characteristics. Are they faithful? Again, not perfect, but at least they have some desire to learn about the Lord. And that takes time. It takes time for you to... To, to be the agent of the Lord, to help sanctify them, teaching them God's word, showing them their, where their shortcomings are in relative to Scripture, and the Holy Spirit will use you and in that person to, to make this person mature. That takes, that takes time. Skills, skill sets, that takes time as well. You know, they may be able to just share the gospel, but they might be like timid and scared and stutter, and that's okay. As long as they're willing to do it, you want to train them, you want to teach them how they can do evangelism or discipleship or, or, or be clear, <coughs> excuse me, or be clear in terms of teaching God's word. That takes time. So there's character, there's skill, and there's even commitment level. Are they available? Are they around you? Uh, do they show up? Are they consistent? And if they are, and they may not be perfect in those ways, and those, it takes time as well to, to help teach them the importance of commitment. Now, all of these things, all these characteristics of a faithful man, there's more, as, as, there's more obviously, but just looking at character, skill, or commitment, these things all take time to, to mature. And us, and, and as Christians, we understand that. We were, we were never, not, not all of us start out, you know, super mature. All of us take time to develop. People in our lives were gracious and kind and was um, willing to, uh, be, you know, endure our, shortcoming, our shortcomings and our immaturities, and we should be able to extend that to other people as well. And Paul telling Timothy that those things, entrust these to faithful men who are able to teach other people as well, and that takes time. Not everyone that you teach is automatically going to know exactly what to do, but I trust that as you teach them God's word, God's word will not return void. They will eventually understand, and they see your life, they see how you teach them, and they're going to model after that. And then they will go and pass it on, hopefully, to other people as well. Being a good steward of what you know, you need to give that away. Find people in the church who you want to learn from, and then find other people that you want to pour out into. All of us are in this chain here. There's people pouring into us, and we're pouring out to other people as well. You want to find people that can disciple you, and you need to find other people that you can pour out into. That's just the, the healthy Christian life. There's people that you're, that's investing in you, and you're investing in other people. Now, there's a danger if you have no one investing in you, and you're only investing in other people, because it shows a short, there's, there's bound to be shortcomings and blind spots. You're, there's bound to be areas in which you're not aware, because you have no one else that can look into your life and shepherd and care for you. So you need that. You need other people in your life to care for you. 
At the same time, if you're just hoarding everything, you're learning from all of these disciples, disciplers, and you have no one to pour out into, then you're not being a good steward of what you know. You're just wasting the things that you've learned. You need to find avenues to go and teach people God's word. It is our responsibility to learn God's word and go and teach God's word. Some of us, it will just be just personal relationship with other people, and that's fine. It doesn't always have to be so formal. Uh, you know, we don't, I know we, in our church right now, we're developing things like, you know, like for the men's side, we have Forge, we have the Wednesday night men's group, we have our men's breakfast. These things are developing over time, but you don't need to wait for those things. You can start discipleship as, as soon as you want. As, uh, whenever there's opportunity, you pray for those things, you pray for the people, and you just go and have these godly relationships. That's where iron sharpens iron. I know the ladies in our church are like, there's a lot more like heart-to-heart, T2, all that. Yeah, they're more structured in that way, but in the same way, you don't have to wait for the right season in order to do discipleship. You should be willing to do discipleship all the time. You must be willing to go and find these things and do these things because you understand the responsibility and the stewardship that you have of God's word. Again, it's easy to think that I will only do discipleship if this church has a structure for it, or, or only the leaders in our church need to do discipleship. No, it's for everyone. Every Christian is called to do this. And if you don't, if you don't want to do discipleship, if you don't want to be disciple, or you don't want to disciple other people, then there's a, pos- there's a high possibility that you yourself is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't want to learn about the Lord, that shows what's in your heart. You don't want to tell other people about the Lord, that also tells us what's in your own heart. And you need to check yourself it's normal for Christians to want to learn about the Lord and talk to other people about the Lord. If you're missing that desire, then it might mean that you yourself might not even be a believer to begin with. Again, is there one way of discipleship? No, there is not. Because you see in Paul's life, you see in Timothy's life, you see other people. Jesus has with, was with them for three years, and I think sometimes people think, oh, that's why seminary is three years. Like, no, that's just a, a curriculum thing that builds out that could be for 10 years. It could be as long as possible. Or it could be short. There's no one way. But the point is that you're, the principle of discipleship is that you're being poured into and that you pour out into other people. However that looks, there's, there's liberty there. But we need to be people that loves to know about God's word and, t- and teach others God's word. Discipleship should not be seen as some sort of organized thing in the church, but it should be seen as a lifestyle. You should want to do this. Again, it's not because of a lack of programs that places and churches do not have discipleship. It's a lack of desire in the heart of people. That's why there's no discipleship. The link of discipleship is supposed to continue on. You should want to be trained in whatever facet, whether it's Sunday school and your small groups, you should want that. You should desire to learn God's word. And you should want to also teach it to other people as well. There should be someone teaching you, and there should be someone that you're teaching as well. God's good gift is knowledge of him. And believers, all of us, must be willing to pass this on. You and I must be faithful in the transference of all the things that we know. Good stewards of the gospel, of the Bible, of all things that we learn, we'll be able to pass that on to other people. Now, why don't we want to do discipleship? Why is, this, why is it that we don't care about being good steward of the things that we know? Because it's hard. One of them, the reason, it is very difficult. And Paul says later in chapter 2, verse 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active uh, service entangle himself in affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlists him as a soldier. You know, it's hard to do discipleship because the people that you pour into may not necessarily respond immediately. It takes time. It's not easy, it's not easy to disciple other people. It's not, it takes time, and I just imagine how Jesus, how patient he was, seeing how disciples seem to just not get it. The original 12, they're like, they, they miss it. All the time, Jesus just teaching them over and over and again, just patiently and lovingly doing that. And that's how our life is going to be as well. If, if Jesus did not, if Jesus had to like be patient and enduring, he, you know, he deserves all worship and praise, and you think that people around the perfect teacher will get it right away and they don't, then just expect that us fallible, imperfect, it'll just take a lot longer for the people that we disciple to get it. Again, it's not easy. It takes time. It's messy. 
People are flawed. They're going to sin against you. They're going to sin against other people. You're ultimately going to sin against the Lord. And it takes time to work uh, and to train other people. Some people might think, well, it's, it's the reason why it's so hard because I'm not trained. I'm not gifted. Again, that's not an excuse. Because you, if you understand the gospel, just the basic knowledge of the gospel, that's enough for you to do evangelism and discipleship. Because everything is, is centered around the gospel. You're encouraging each other every day to, to remember Christ, to think about what that means and the implications of that. We're called to be Christians. Well, what have you learned? You, you can just talk to other people about the things that you've learned. You don't need to be like a R.C. Sproul or John MacArthur before you can start teaching God's word. Yes, we can always be refined. Yes, we can always get better in our understanding of scripture. We can, we can always be better. But that's not an excuse to not do discipleship. You should always want these things because you want other people to know and behold the Savior that you worship. Yes, it's going to be hard. And why, sometimes, why, that's one reason. Why don't we like to, why, why aren't we a good steward of the knowledge that we know about the Lord? Yeah, one reason's hard. Second, sometimes we just don't think it's important. Like, if we're perfectly honest with ourselves, we find other things more important than discipleship. We like our hobbies more than, than caring about pouring into other people. Again, those things are not wrong if you have hobbies or things like that. But sometimes we just don't prioritize it. It just doesn't matter to us. We don't like or care about telling other people. And yet, at the same time, that's you, then you can't expect to grow in Christ-likeness. You can't be a disciple-maker or even a good disciple if you don't care about discipleship as a whole. Again, it's one thing for lip service to say that you care about discipleship, but another thing to actually do it. To actually have, humbly ask someone, hey, I need someone to keep me accountable, to, to teach me God's word. And then to go and find someone who has the same desire that you once had and teach them God's word as well. Sometimes, yeah, is discipleship hard? It is hard. Um, and I think for some people, the reason why they don't disciple is because they don't care about discipleship because at the heart of heart, they don't find it as important, which essentially just means that sometimes they just don't believe in the gospel to, be, to begin with. They don't care about Christian things. They just, they'll say the right thing. They'll make excuses. They'll, they'll, they know the lingo enough to be critical, but not enough to do anything about it. People claim that they want to follow Christ, but if you do, you have, you'll, it'll cost you. It'll cost time. You'll have to make time for it. But how do I apply this? Well, again, as I said earlier, you want to have intentional relationships with those in your life. Why do we have these type of prayer discussion group at the end of our messages on Friday? It's so you can, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a way for us to kind of structure some level of discipleship with each other. So you guys can build those relationships so that throughout the week you're praying for one another. That you guys are that your hearts are, are knitting closer and closer every week so that you're able to talk about deeper things. Um, we try to keep the same groups for a season uh, because we want you guys to be comfortable to talk about deeper things. It's easy for us, again, to just talk about your week, and that's fine. These things are, wait, you know, small talk, these things are fine, but eventually you want to go from this, get away from the superficial and get to the more deeper things, the things that's going on in your heart. You want to invest in other people, and you can also find other people ahead of you. When I was younger, I had a whole bunch of disciples, and each and every single one of them were different. And I did that intentionally. I found someone that was a seminary student. I found someone that was married. I found someone that was just a lay person. I did all of that intentionally because I wanted to be more well-rounded. Uh, I wanted to know, what, 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 what is, is it hard to study the Bible? So I would find those seminary-type students, and they would teach me, and I, was, and I wanted to learn about parenting, even though I didn't, I, wasn't a, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time or I wasn't married. I, was, I wanted to learn and see what parenting is like. So I found someone that had a kid, and I said, can I just go to your house and like, learn from you, just to observe? It was fascinating. And those things, all the things I've learned in the past, I've, I you know, it's a, obviously can't replicate it completely because my context is different, but at least I knew enough principles to kind of figure things out. You, know, you want to learn from other people. Be specific. I chose certain types of mentors because they had certain giftedness or there's something about them that I want to learn from. Even now in our, on our elder board, I, I go to certain elders for certain things because I, I find that they're, they're, there's a specialty, that they have like certain specialties that I, that I want to learn from. Um, I did a visitation this last week, and I brought one of the elders with me. And I was so thankful that this elder came with him because he had a medical background. And, and the way that he was 
caring for this person just by talking about medicine. Like, wow, he's very gentle. He, there is enough knowledge about the medicine that I have no clue what it was. He's using these words that have more than five syllables. I, I didn't understand it. But it was really cool just seeing how he was able to um, comfort this family. And, it, it, and I'm just like learning from just watching this elder doing, just share this uh, and just comforting and care. And it made me, I'm just taking notes, mental notes, so that one day down the line, I'll, I hopefully I could do the same, maybe even learn some sci- medical terms. But you, you understand that you're, you're modeling after those in your life. You model, again, is it wrong to have one leader in your life? No, it's not. But just be wise and just have a plurality of people in your life. I mean, Proverbs speaks about having a multitude of counselors. You want to learn. You want to have the desire to grow. And there's other people in this church. Just find people that you think, like, hey, I want to learn from them. And I'm sure that if, you're, if you ask some people, they're willing to invite you into their life. Find people in, in the church and ask them to disciple you. And then eventually, as you grow in maturity, people will want to learn from you because they see in your life faithfulness. They see in your life this character of Christ-likeness. And eventually they'll ask you, hey, how do you parent? How do you, how do you live a single life in, in such a way that's filled with joy and contentment? If they look at your life, they see godliness, and people that love the Lord are going to be drawn to those things. God's word, you should, you need to, it's, God's word for you is that you need to be good stewards of all the things you know about Jesus. So find someone that you can pour into you, and then find other people to pour into. Build these godly relationships. Ask deeper questions about the Christian life. Ask good questions that really forces you and the other person to dive into God's word. You think about questions that are just not super, I mean, superficial questions are fine for only a, for, you know, for a short amount of time. But eventually you want to ask, like, how do you think about disciplining when it comes to your kids? And then what does the Bible have to say regarding those things? And again, you cannot disciple other people unless you know it, for, know it yourself. And if you don't know it, find someone that you might think that might know this and then work it out together. Figure out, look to the scriptures. Develop these intentional relationships so that you can know God's word. And then so one day, because eventually your mentors are all going to be gone, and you're, you're going to be the one that people look to and you're going to have to pour out to other people as well. That's what discipleship is. You're constantly pouring out and sharpening one another so that the, the knowledge of God's word can be passed down to future generations. Now, if God was to ask you, if you were to die today, and if God was to ask you this question about what did you do with all the things I've taught you through the, the, the role models, the leaders, the elders, the pastors, your small group leaders, all of these individuals I've placed in your life, what did you do with that knowledge that I've given you? How would you respond? How would you, would you say, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I was able to pour out into other people, or just like, oh, no, I just, I just spend more time just thinking about the things that people taught me? In glory, would there be anyone else, anyone else in heaven that can say, thank you for being the instrument the Lord used to sanctify me? Or when you get to heaven, there's like no one in your life that, that in, in all of heaven can say, like, oh, yeah, that person was used by the Lord to bring me to Christ, or to make Christ better known in my mind. In glory, would there be anyone in heaven that can look at you and say that you poured into their life here on earth? See, if it's important to you, discipleship, you need to be a good steward of it. You need to be able to know God's word and pass it on to others as well. And I trust that if you, as you grow in your knowledge of God's word, you should what usually happens if you are a believer is that you will love God more and then you can't help but want to talk to people about this. You can't help but be transformed by God's word and then pursue Christ and the other people will see that and the, the, and the joys of, of following Jesus will make you very infectious to those that want to know more about Christ. But if you have an apathetic lifestyle towards Christ, an apathetic um, love for the Lord, not a true love, but just kind of like a a lukewarm kind of love, you love something else more than Christ, and you just like to use Christian lingo, then don't expect people to want to, to ask you to disciple them. Because why? Like, if, if, you are, if you exemplify Christianity and you don't look anything like Christ, then I don't want to learn from you. And that's where you, know, you need to see, is, is there something wrong with my own walk? And again, having other people in your life can allow them to expose your weakness, to let, them, to let you see where you need to grow. 
eventually, if you're humble enough, you see those areas. You ask God for grace to, 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 to change, repent of certain things, so that you're able to grow in Christ-likeness and then pour into other people as well. And I know that if you understand this, if you're a good steward of all the things that God has taught you, then eventually, eventually, you will uh, pour out to other people. and You will entrust the things that you learn to other faithful men who will do the same as well. So that's my hope for us in this first lesson um, on the stewardship series, is that you're a good steward of the things that you learn and know about the Lord. This is a Bible-teaching church. So the Bible is like, you know, we teach it all the time. But what do you do with the things that you've learned? Are you going to keep it to yourself? Or are you going to go and try to find other people to trust this truth so that they can teach others as well? And I hope that's what our desire is, that all of us are willing to do this. And I trust we can do it together. If we continue to grow in our love for the Lord and teach others as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for giving us your word. We are, we don't deserve your kindness and grace. We don't deserve salvation. But yet you've given us your son. You've made us right. You've given us your righteousness. We stand before you as righteous because of that. And all the things that we've learned, all the things that we know of you, may you give us that desire to pour out into other people. May we entrust it to other faithful men who can entrust and teach others as well, but we, may we first be found faithful to you. May we be faithful in learning uh, your word so that we're able to do something with your word, that it doesn't just stay with us, that we pass this knowledge on to someone else. Whether it's in our homes or in the church, uh, may you cultivate in our hearts a deeper desire to be a good steward of your word and to teach others. Lord, Help us be better students, and may we continue to grow in our knowledge of you, and may we also have a greater desire to pass it on and to teach others as well. Thank you for this time, in your son's precious name, amen. Okay, so for our discussion, quest, discussion group questions, I have two questions for us. How do I better prioritize discipleship in my life, and how can I be a better steward of what I know of God? They're essentially the same question. Um, but the first one is really about your own learning uh, about God's word. And the second one is about what do you do with the, uh, the things that you learned. Um, so as you, break, as you break into your group, uh, discuss how this week you can be better, a better disciple of Jesus Christ through having people pour into your life. And how are, and are there people in your life that you see that you can pour out, uh, that you can invest into?